Hey there, welcome to uh, this next episode, episode number four of the Gospel Moments podcast micro class that we're doing here at the Cathedral Church of the Advent. Uh, I'm Cameron Cole and I'm with Lucy Kate and Rebecca and Tara. And um, in this episode, we're going to be talking about identity, uh, which is obviously you know a central issue, central concern. Um, for kids. And so, you know, in this podcast series, what we're doing is we're talking about moments and struggles that every child is going to have um, in the course of their childhood and adolescence, six moments in particular, and how it is that as parents, we can spiritually engage our kids and offer them the gospel and the word of hope. Um, yeah, as we, uh, as we, um, you know, sh- uh, shepherd our kids through these seasons. And so, you know, first we're going to talk about we're going to talk about identity. But Tira, um, how about how about you know when we get into elementary school, where do we see these kind of issues with uh, with identity? Yeah, so in elementary school, you might not have children that are actually asking out loud or to themselves, "Who am I?" But essentially, what they're doing is trying to figure that out. They're comparing themselves to others, and they are trying to subconsciously figure out where's their place in the world and who are they. Um, But what you'll find is, you know, in a public school system, school is a place where they spend a lot of their time, and in a public school system, they won't be getting the message fed to them every day at school, you are a child of God and your identity is in Christ. And so you'll find that they are totally using external circumstances to form their own identity. So um, this is where parents can really come in and help their child understand their true identity and where the church can come in and help them see it because the world is definitely sending um, a different message than we want our children to get. Mm, That's good. Um, You know, middle school, gosh, identity is so huge. Mm -hmm. Lucy Kate, how have you observed, you know, that struggle? Well, I think... You know, all the things we've talked about in previous episodes, um, you know, kids are going to try to put their identity in something. They're, a lot of them, individuating from their parents for the first time, maybe Mm. what their parents have always taught them, Mm. um, things that their parents have always encouraged them to do. I think that really starts in junior high. Um, So they they might be placing that in grades, sports, friends, um, but they'll start to try to place it in something And a unique challenge um, today in in being in junior high is I think, you know, every junior high student has this sense of um, not feeling comfortable in their own skin, not feeling like they belong. um, And the world has a lot of answers um, today about where they should put their identity um, and quick solutions um, having to do with, um, you know, gender identity and sexuality and these really complicated and important issues. Um, but I feel like that's definitely a new challenge, um, for especially junior high kids. I think that's really where it starts. Um, but yeah, they're either putting their identity in the gospel or they're they're putting it in something else. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's no, no middle ground really with that. Yeah, that's good. How about you with high school, Rebecca? Yeah. Two quick things come to mind. Number one is high school, extracurriculars really seem to pick up, whether that's the sports team you're on, the dance team, the music you play. And so I see a lot of high schoolers put their identity in their extracurriculars. I am a tennis player. I am a guitarist. I am a thespian. Um, And so when they experience a failure in one of those areas, it's just a total 
it's a catastrophe for them. It destroys who they are as a person. Um, I think just along the terms of failure, a lot of the times we see high schoolers experience moral failure, which we'll talk about in another episode, but it's hard for them to parse out that who they are is not the sum of what they do, but rather who they are declared to be in Christ. Hmm, That's really good. Yeah. So speaking both to middle school and high school, um, and a more uh, kind of globally, there's a book called the end of youth ministry by Andrew Root. And one of the things he talks about is, um, you know, how parents assuming the responsibility of identity, the identity formation of their child. So, you know, if, um, basically there's this, um, need to, for a child to find their thing, quote unquote, their thing. It's interesting. And in his research, he found the parents said that all the time. Like we just want him to find his thing. Mm -hmm. And so basically this was, this was true, you know, in Christian and secular households. And so then, you know, their thing is usually has to do with some kind of competence, like Rebecca said, whether it's school or sports or soccer. Um, and he said that that's why that's his observation of why there's such a, um, what is it like travel sports and school and other different um, performance oriented things dominate or can dominate families' lives and can dominate students' lives is because there is this assumed responsibility that you have to cultivate and procure your own identity. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so the way you do that is through, you know, performance in some way and parents then, you know, kind of, uh, take on this sense of responsibility. They have to, you know, uh, facilitate their child creating and establishing their own identity. Mm -hmm. So that's, um, that's, that's Root's explanation for a lot of what we see among particularly suburban families. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So how about Tara? What, what, um, what's, what's the word you have for us? Sister, Sister Davis. We are going to be in (laughs) Ephesians chapter one and two. And my hope is that this will give us as pastors or parents, um, just another tool to help equip our children and ourselves really understanding our true identity in Christ. So all people, let's face it, children and adults may not be voicing their contemplation of their identity, but the reality is that they are likely analyzing and measuring who they are. And if we add comparison to the mix, it's such Mm -hmm. a dangerous combination. So internally, people think, I am not as good as her. He is more successful than me. They have a cleaner or more beautiful house. Our kids aren't as well behaved as theirs. She's so athletic and I am not. The comparison game can easily derail us from our freedom and joy of knowing who we really are. Mm. It can make us think our inadequacy actually defines us. And often people first compare their current roles, strengths, or weaknesses to others, and then that's how they form their identity, worth, and value. So they'll say, I am the working mom, or I am the stay-at-home mom. I am the basketball star. I am the cheerleader. I am the pretty one. I am the smart one. Or I am the bad kid. I am the dumb kid. I am the one nobody notices. So the list of positive or neutral or negative false identity statements goes on. But the thing is, our roles and achievements or failures, strengths or weaknesses do not define who we are. 
there may be truth that someone has more or less than you or is better or worse than you at something, but none of these things gives us more or less value. And a stable sense of self cannot fully exist when we place our identity in external things. So when circumstances change, our identity is therefore going to always change too. We are only worth something and valuable because the creator of the world made us in his image and individually we are his beloved masterpieces. We may receive an overwhelming amount of messages telling us to define ourselves by external measures, but what would it look like to base our identity on the way God sees us? So we're going to look at Ephesians 1 and 2. They're super encouraging passages that remind us who we are in Christ. So Ephesians 1. Chapter 1, verses 3 through 14 say, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And then Paul goes on to say in chapter two, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. So here, Paul writes to Christians in Ephesus to remind them who they are and what they are in Christ, and the same blessings are given to us. These passages remind us we are blessed, we are chosen, we are adopted into God's family, we are redeemed by the blood of Christ, we are forgiven, we are a recipient of God's grace, we are sealed and secure through the Holy Spirit. We have received the hope of spending eternity with God. We are loved and accepted. And thank goodness, none of this is due to anything we have done or not done. These blessings are given to us by grace, God's unmerited, unearned love towards sinners. When we are in Christ, these aspects of our identity can never be altered by what we do, fail to do, or what the world tells us, or how we compare to others. We cannot remind ourselves of this truth enough, especially because the world constantly tells us our worth and identity is in all things external. So when we notice ourselves believing a lie about our identity, we ought to surrender it to the Lord and replace the lie with the truth of scripture. 
We should pray for God to help us replace our worldly identity with kingdom identity. If we live out an identity based on how God sees us, we no longer feel the need to find our worth in external circumstances or through the comparison trap. We can live freely, confidently, and joyfully because of who we are in Christ. Who we truly are is only found by looking up or in the word, not out into the world. Mm. Are we inadequate? Yes, definitely. But despite our shortcomings, our Savior, Jesus Christ, loves us, accepts us, and has adopted us into his kingdom. That's our true identity that will satisfy our souls. Mm, And boy, do we want our children to know that too. Yeah, amen, amen. Um, Well, let's talk about this at an age group level. Terry, that was really great. But um, what are things that we say to our, say to, let's talk as parents. Yeah. Tara and Cameron, what are things we say to our kids you know, to kind of affirm their identity. And, you know, I would, I'll, I'll start. Um, and I'll say that I say, I'll say to my kids, you know, I I love you so much. You know, I love you. It's, it's because you're mine. It's Mm -hmm. because you're my, you know, you're my special boy, your daddy's special girl. Um, and, uh, and it's kind of, uh, you know, kind of conferring upon them this identity that's not based in performance. Mm -hmm. You are mine. And, um, and you know, I think that uh, I, I think that as children get older, I think it's just key for parents to remind them over and over again: your identity is that you're a beloved child of God, and yeah. your identity is that the Holy Spirit's made you pure and um, pure in God's eyes. Your identity is that Christ has made you righteous. Um, your identity is as a, a daughter of God or as a son of God. Um, and just over and over again, I know one parent who their child before they would take a test would always send her a text say. Hey, just remember that your identity is in Christ. That, that's, you know, that's it. Um, how about you, like, in talking about just your, you know, your your own kids, but also what you, how you think parents can deal with this for an elementary age child? Yeah, so two, this is kind of twofold. I think piggybacking off of what you said, I think one of the best things parents can do is before a test, before a game, before anything performance-related mm-hmm. or even after just simply say, I enjoyed watching you play. Mm. I loved watching you play. Oh, that's Not, good. Yeah. I'm so proud of you because you made three baskets or man, that hit was out of this world. I mean, it's so tempting not to point out the positive performance or go straight to how to improve the negative performance that they may have done, but simply yeah. to say, as your parent, I just love being with you and watching you do X, Y, or Z. So good. Um, Another suggestion, I think, I mean, even for young children, we could tell them all of these truths from Ephesians, but how powerful it can be to pray over them. I mean, obviously Mm -hmm. we want to, we pray for our children, but praying over them so they can hear, Father God, I am so glad you have adopted my child, that you are blessing my child, that you have redeemed my child, um, and speaking those truths over them, um, or prepping them for when they do become a believer and speaking those truths over them so that you're actually bringing God into the conversation and you're not just telling them the truth of scripture, you're praying that scripture over them so they can hear that. And, um, hopefully it resonates in their heart. Amen. Yeah. How about in middle school guys? And uh, middle school and then high school. Well, I think identity, this is just such an important topic because so many of the things that you might see in your child's life that concern you um, really are an identity problem. Like the performance or insecurity or anxiety or 
anything like that are symptoms of needing to know where their identity is. And if they can rest in knowing where their identity is, then the rest of those things um, are going to fall into place. And so I think like from a parenting perspective, just being sure not to address symptoms of a problem, but to really dig into the heart of who your child is and what they need to know um, about the Lord and about themselves in order to, to have a full life. Mm. That's good. Yeah, that is really good. One of my greatest struggles in high school, and I think this is pretty common, was basing my identity on what other people thought of me. I was obsessed with um, curating an identity that was rooted in other people's favor. Mm. And one of the best things I think we can um, encourage high schoolers and anyone with is just the favor that's bestowed on them through Christ. And that that at the end of the day, that's the voice that matters. And so when God looks at your child or your student, they, he sees um, the perfect righteousness and the favor of his son, Jesus. And that's such a beautiful truth to live out of. Tara, you spoke of um, replacing the truth, um, excuse me, replacing the lie with the truth. And mm-hmm. that's one thing that I love encouraging students to do. This is maybe more something for the girls, but I encourage them to straight up write a T-chart out in their journal or whatever. And on one side, name the lie that they're believing. And then on the other side, write out what scripture says against that lie. So maybe the lie of the identity that day is, I'm believing the lie that my poor performance in my soccer game means that I'm a failure. And then to um, speak against that lie with the truth from scripture. Well, here's the lie, but here is what God says about me instead. Um, I found that to be a really helpful thing in my own spiritual life. And I've seen fruit of that in senior high students as well. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that, that's really good. Um, you know, I think too, even um, this starts in elementary school and kind of goes through, but even for them to have a concept of what identity is, mm. make them aware of that. Um, because there is something innate where we know that we need that worth. We know that we need that identity. Um, and we, and that's, that's part of what, a huge part of what drives the performance of of kids, but I can remember, I don't think it was really college until I had anyone kind of explain to me what identity was mm. and what I was really striving for. Mm-hmm. And, and I can remember, you know, for me, I was a, uh, I was a good athlete in elementary school cause I was just really big. <laughs> and so I like dominated basketball and swimming. Well then this, cr- the cruel equalizer called puberty caught up <laughs> and I was a bench warmer, you know? And I can remember just like quitting basketball and then going to baseball. Mm. Well, I was on the bench in, in, in basketball and I quit that. And then I was on the bench in baseball and then I ultimately quit that. And it was all because of I saw my, I had this identity of like I'm an athlete. Mm-hmm. And then when I was failing, I like no longer could enjoy it and I couldn't handle the shame of that. And so to, to help, you know, help, help your child understand that they're craving and they need a sense of identity. But most important to know that identity and worth is is given to you. Yeah. You cannot earn it. You cannot manufacture it. It is given to you. And, you know, everyone has it in that we're made in the image of God. But as a believer, you know, that you, you're adopted as a child of God when you put your faith in Christ. And so, you know, that you're a child of God, um, that's the identity we really crave. Um, because that means that we receive the unconditional affection of the Father. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's one thing I wanted to share. We will incorporate this in Sunday school for some of our older children starting in fourth grade, but we call it the gospel identity catechism. And mm-hmm. so um, it's a couple of questions and it, 
the questions are, who does the Spirit say you are? One who is washed and clean. Who does Jesus Mm. say you are? One who is forgiven and righteous. Who does the Father say you are? One who is an adopted child of God. Who are you, a sinner saved by grace? And how wonderful that could be for parents to share that with their children at the end, say, you are not the basketball star or the basketball bench warmer. You are none of those things. These four statements are who you truly are in Christ. And just repeating that over and over with them. So regardless of what their performance ends up being, their true identity is found um, only in Christ. Mm. Mm, Amen. Good stuff. Well, guys, thank you so much. And parents, we hope this was helpful for you. This wraps up our, our fourth episode of the Gospel Moments uh, podcast micro class. Hope it was helpful. God bless. Mm-hmm.